you struggle with everyday small things, like how to hang toilet paper this or next Thursday, the proper use of y'all, then join Gary and JR as they consider these and other trivial matters. The Small Things Considered podcast from Ranch Hand Records appearing every other Tuesday, alternating with three things of JR. It's time for Three Things with JR. I'm JR. Welcome back to the show. Uh, a couple things here at the top. Uh, what is it about you, my YouTube channel? Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, please do. Uh, go to youtube.com slash at what is it about you, and you will find my channel. And on that channel is uh, uh, several videos, full-length videos, in which I ambush people on the streets, uh, either in New York City or Iowa or Charlottesville, and I ask them thoughtful questions to try to find out what it is about them that makes them interesting, and I have found some wonderful people. The most recent upload is a guy named Luke Kemmerer. He was busking on the downtown mall, singing some songs, and I filmed him singing, and then I talked to him, and he was very gracious, uh, answered all my questions told me about how he has perfect pitch, and I tested him on that, and he passed. And then he sang me an original song, which is in the full-length original song is in the video. Uh, It's called Take Me Back, Virginia, and I think it's quite catchy. It's a fun song. There are short versions of this video all over the place. I threw threw them up on Facebook Reels, Instagram Reels, as well as TikTok, uh, and it'll be going up as a YouTube short here in a very in in, in a short amount of time. Uh, the purpose of the short videos is to alert you to the fact that there's a new full-length video available, and where it's possible, I put a link in so that you can get to the full-length video uh, on YouTube, because uh, that is where I'm definitely trying to uh, to share the full experience of what is it about you. So if you're seeing the short ones, they're less than a minute long. Uh, find out or click over or just search into YouTube. What is it about you? And you will find the uh, my channel with the full length videos. And when I say full length, we're not talking about a major time commitment here. Uh, the shortest one has been about six minutes. The longest one has been about 12 minutes. Uh, and I'm trying to keep them shorter than longer because I get it. People's attention span on the internet is not very great. So it's short. And if you see a long video, you might not even click on it because you don't have the the time in your life to commit to a 12-minute video. So I'm going to be shooting for 5 to 10, uh, which should be long enough for us to dive into what it is about someone that makes them special uh, and without feeling like we have shortchanged you or the audience or that person, frankly. Uh, and so, so that's the deal with what is it about you? If you haven't already, please go subscribe to that channel, like the videos, assuming you like them. If you don't, please don't hit the don't like button. Cause that's not cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, and subscribe, all that stuff. It's a real thing. Uh, if, if I'm, if this YouTube channel is going to be, uh, successful, 
by meaning uh, by which I mean uh, has a wide audience and is a uh, is a thought of as a entertaining way to spend five to ten minutes. Then uh, I'm going to need you guys uh, when you watch and uh, check it out to uh, spread the news. And the simplest and easiest way to do that is to like the video and subscribe to the channel. So uh, thank you for any of the any of you that have already done that. <sighs> Before I get into things, one uh, one quick thing, here, man. I, I need I need your opinion on this. Uh, I was at the Subaru dealership with Grenadine, my Subaru Crosstrek that I bought in July 2020. It's just over three years old. I got a pretty decent deal on it because I bought it before the pandemic car supply chain uh, chip shortage problems. Uh, so I got it before all that, and I've had it three a little over three years, and I love it. It's a great car, no regrets. And uh, it's it's paid down pretty far because I paid a little extra each month on the on the car payment. So uh, I'm no longer anywhere near upside down on the loan. Uh, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to having it paid off, uh, which was less than three years away now. So uh, that's exciting. However, in the Subaru dealership, I've been there twice now in the last uh, couple months, uh, and they have a a car that I kind of really want. Uh, and I was not planning, am not planning on upgrading, but gosh, man, I can't stop thinking about it. It's very tempting. Um, it's kind of surprising that it hasn't sold yet. Uh, it was in the showroom, not even out in the parking lot, in the showroom. Uh, and it was there a month ago when I was there, and it was there again yesterday still. So here's the deal. It is a four-door sedan with a trunk, which is uh, a bigger vehicle with a dedicated trunk instead of a hatchback like I have on the Subaru Crosstrek. It is a WRX, so it's a little bit sportier, should be a little bit faster. If I had any complaints about my current Crosstrek, it's a little bit slow. Uh, you know, I'm a person that likes to uh, get to the red light uh, and hopefully be at the front of the line, pull position, and uh, because I know that when the light turns green, I will be paying attention. I will see it turn green. I will immediately take foot off brake and put it on the gas so that I can get going. And a lot of people just don't do that at lights. So I end up going faster and, uh, you know, get to getting to the next red light first. Uh, so that's just my driving style. And uh, my, my cross track is uh, if there's another person that drives like that, uh, at the front of the line at a light on a multi-lane road, uh, they're going to beat me to the next light. And this is annoying to me. So I would like a car that's a little bit faster. It's not so slow that I feel like I need to fix the problem, but it is a little slow. Uh, it's also a little bit small. I knew it was small when I bought it, but it's even smaller than I thought it was. There's not a ton of room there in the back hatchback area for a lot of stuff, especially when I throw all my disc golf gear in there. So uh, I could use a little bit more room, and I kind of like the idea of a trunk rather than the hatchback. Um, this, again, is very nitpicky. It's not a problem. I bought a small car that is indeed very good on gas, and it is and it is serving its purpose quite well. It is my daily driver. I've got over 73,000 miles on it already in just over three years. I drive it a lot, and I love it. So, again, I don't need a new car. I don't need to upgrade. I kind of want to, though, because this WRX... Uh, is first off, it's uh, it's that Subaru orange color, which I really dig, uh, and it's also a stick shift. 
And that's what I wanted when I bought the Crosstrek. I really wanted it as a stick shift, but they were next to impossible to find. Even before chip shortages and supply chain issues uh, killed it. Uh, and they don't even, Subaru doesn't even make the Crosstrek as a stick shift anymore. But they do make the WRX in a four-door sedan with a stick shift. It's got great lines. It is a beautiful-looking view. It's my favorite-looking Subaru. And I'm not typically a WRX type of person. But, gosh, it just looks great. Uh, so, so here's the question. Do I trade Grenadine in? I'm quite confident that I could take Grenadine to them and trade it in. They would give me more, well more, more money than what I owe on it by several thousand dollars, uh, and which would be a down payment on the the new car, which I would probably call Tangerine instead of Grenadine, and um, and then have roughly the same car payment, but for another six or seven years starting now, as opposed to having Grenadine paid off in under three years from now. There's a lot of benefits, right, to having the car paid off, freeing up some money for other things. Uh, I, you know, I, I do okay as far as uh, income goes, but uh, I've never I've never been great at curbing my spending, so uh, I'm not sitting pretty financially speaking. But I'm in a good spot. I have no problem paying all my bills and being up to date and pretty much buying whatever I want. Uh, and so I could buy this car, and it would be fine. But should I? Man, it's the sales guy there was pretty good. He was very, very adamant that I should at least consider it. And he gave me a ballpark on what they would give me for my car now. And I resisted the urge while waiting for Grenadine to have her oil changed to sit down with the guy and work up the numbers. Uh, Because I think once I do that, unless the numbers just don't work out, once I do that, it's going to be that's the point of no return uh, is sitting down at the desk in this in the on the showroom floor. Uh, yeah, man, I seriously don't know what I'm going to do. It wouldn't surprise me at all if I get off of work on Tuesday and head over to the Subaru dealership and do this. Uh, but, you know, one other thing that's keeping me from doing this uh, for real is the sound system. The stereo that I have uh, spent a lot of money and time installing into Grenadine is fantastic. It sounds amazing. The factory system I got with this car was horrendous. It it has a nice touchscreen and it had CarPlay so that my phone works beautifully with it. But man, you turn the volume up on that original factory system and it's not the fancy of a factory system. It's the base level factory system unusable as far as I'm concerned. Uh, My standards are significantly higher than that. This WRX would come with the upgraded premium Harman Kardon system, which I have not listened to yet. I have not taken this car out on a test drive, uh, which I would definitely do before I sat down at the desk with anybody just to make sure I actually want this car. Uh, Looking at it, I think I want it but driving it could be a different experience. Could It could confirm that I don't need to upgrade uh, if it's not a significantly better driving experience. Um, but the sound system, like I've installed a very fancy stereo in the dash with a bigger touchscreen and all that. Uh, all new speakers, uh, a five-channel amplifier that gives all those speakers tons of power and a subwoofer in the back. And uh, if I were to trade Grenadine in, would I... 
Would I just let that system go with the car? Would the dealership want that? Or would they prefer that I reinstall the factory radio and keep all of that stuff or some of that stuff? I don't know. It's hard to tell. And that seems like an annoying problem to have to figure out. Uh, the, a big part of me would just want to let the system go with the car. Uh, and Because I got a good deal on the stuff because of where I work. So I don't know. That's that's actually a thing. Uh, if if I didn't have that much invested in the sound system in Grenadine, and if I wasn't worried about how good the sounds would be in the new car, I I, I might have you know went down that road the other day at the dealership. So uh, so if you're listening to this on Spotify, there's a poll question uh, on this, and the, there's two answers: uh, go for it, get the new car, and or uh, don't be an idiot, save your money, pay off Grenadine and, uh, and wait, wait it out, be patient, be frugal. I don't know. The, the questions will say something like that. So it'll be clear. Love to know what you think. Uh, you might, in, uh, you might influence my decision-making one way or another. Um, so we'll see. All right, let's do some things. Thing number one. Tech support. I have found myself in the position of being the person that provides tech support for people in my family as well as some others. Here's an example. My dad calls me on the regular looking for help figuring out how to make his TV do what he wants it to do or his sister's TV do what she wants it to do. I have helped them upgrade and add sound bars to their TVs and get them into the modern world of streaming instead of using cable and uh, there's, you know, I understand this stuff because of my job. So it makes sense that I would be their tech support for that. Also, their phones, their smartphones. Uh, I have an iPhone. I consider myself an expert iPhone user and they are iPhone users. And so they have reached out to me for help with that. Uh, at work, uh, there's an older lady who needed some Needed some motivation and inspiration. She's a little older. She's got arthritis. Her hands and fingers don't quite work the way that, uh, you know, normal hands and fingers work because of the arthritis. And uh, so she has been very hesitant over the last years to uh, to make the jump into being a smartphone user. She, uh, I helped her with getting a flip phone about five or six years ago, uh, but she was toying with the idea of going smartphone. And so she came to me again. And my natural instincts, uh, I had two thoughts. First off, uh, one, I remembered how much help she needed just getting the flip phone and getting it to work and making it work with the Bluetooth in her car and stuff like that. You know, she is not tech savvy, quite the opposite. Uh, and so my immediate thought was, uh, if I'm going to help Harriet get a smartphone and use it, it is going to be a big job. Uh, this isn't like give some opinions and let her go figure it out. This is going to be very hands-on, uh, helping her pick out the phone, consider which phone to get the plan talking. Uh, I went, I, I literally went to the AT&T store with her to help her make sure that the salesperson answered all the questions and addressed all the issues that we had, uh, and, so ultimately, we settled on an iPhone, and I helped her. I went to her house. I set it up for her with her. I showed her how to do some things. Uh, we talked about uh, how uh, we can use some of the accessibility features to make it work for her, uh, despite the challenges she has with her hands. And uh, and we, I helped her get the right kind of case that would help with like a, a lanyard strap and a handle on the back, things like that. Long story short, she's there. She's using an iPhone now. 
Uh, and she's not sorry she did it. She's uh, able to Google important information whenever she feels like it. She has an app that helps her identify birds. She can send and receive emails and texts with her phone without having to boot up her computer. Uh, she's not doing with the phone all the things you can do with a smartphone, but she doesn't want to. She just wants these basic conveniences that uh, most of us have just come to take for granted. And she just wants to be able to do that stuff. And now she can. Uh, it's a little harder for her, but she can do it. And uh, apparently she has told several other people at work about this experience that she had with the phone and with me helping her get through that. And some of those people were highly impressed that anybody was willing to take on that challenge of helping Harriet, uh, uh, you know, get a smartphone and successfully use it. Uh, and I didn't do it for any kind of feedback or anything like that, but the feedback to me has been heartwarming. Uh, it has made me feel really good about uh, taking the time to uh, to help Harriet do that. And uh, it's been very rewarding. Uh, and I was thinking about that as I was talking to my dad the other day who had some tech support type questions about his TV and his phone. And uh, he lives in Emmitsburg, Iowa, very small town in the northwest corner of Iowa. Uh, he goes to coffee every morning, sits down and hangs out with anywhere from five to ten other dudes. They're farmers and various other uh, things that, you know, exactly what you'd expect in the northwest corner of Iowa. Corn. Corn is a hot topic uh, of every morning coffee that they have. Uh, so uh, it turns out that my dad, uh, who willingly got a smartphone many years ago, despite not being a tech type person, uh, my dad also has a laptop, does everything on his computer and his phone that most people do, but he's not super savvy. He's always had questions and I've always been his go-to person uh, when he's had questions about how to do this or that. I helped him find out just recently, despite having a smartphone for about 10 years, that his smartphone has an internet browser on it and he can just go to any website he wants on his phone. He didn't realize that until about a month ago. Uh, and it turns out that my dad is the most tech-savvy person that he knows. All of these people that he hangs out with, his entire circle of friends and acquaintances, think of my dad as their tech support. The, the techie, the, the tech-savvy person, the person with all the answers for how you can do things on these magical devices. And so my dad is the me of Emmitsburg, Iowa. And he calls me for help, so I'm the me for him. Uh, and then it made me think about my mom who lives in a 55 and up uh, and uh, 55 and over community down in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, and she's told me stories recently about helping people get their Apple TV running and their iPad. And so she's providing some tech support for her retirement community. Uh, and then I was wondering about my sister, Aubrey. Uh, I, I don't I don't I don't know of any stories where she might have provided the same level of tech support for her uh, cir you know, uh, uh, you know, circle of friends. So I asked her the other day and uh, she said not as much tech support, but my coworkers definitely look to me for help uh, in explaining things and handling tough situations at giving them life support. Uh, so not so much tech support, but life support. And what it basically, the realization here is that uh, all four of us, uh, my mom and dad, my sister and me, we all seem to have a, uh, an ability to explain things to other people and to uh, encourage and help. And we all seem to be really good at that. Uh, and so 
Yeah, it's the Stoffel family of tech support. And uh, so let us know if you have any questions about your iPhone. <laughs> well, ask Aubrey, Dad, or me, uh, or da Aubrey, Dad, or Mom. And if they don't know, they'll come to me. And uh, so there you go. That's thing number one. Just uh, it was a heartwarming thing with Harriet uh, and then Dad and Mom and Aubrey as well. So I don't know. I'm Now I'm rambling. It's probably time to stop thing number one and start Thing number two. I have a recommendation for a new podcast. It is a brand new podcast. There are only three episodes out now. And uh, this is my new favorite podcast. I will be eagerly looking forward to each new episode. Uh, and uh, so let's back up in time a little bit before I tell you what the podcast is. Uh, I have always been a fan of late night talk shows. Uh, from as early an age as I can remember, uh, watching Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show, was a thing that I did. Uh, and then when I was allowed to stay up late enough, usually only on Friday nights, I would also watch David Letterman after Johnny Carson. And David Letterman was my favorite. Uh, always has been, always will be. Uh, he's the gold standard of late night talk shows. Uh, I wish he was still doing it. His new show on Netflix is great as well. Um, but the... Uh, you know, the, the, the late night talk shows had some slumps there for a little bit. You know, the Jay Leno years, uh, he was not a talk show host that I enjoyed at all, ever. Uh, I would prefer to listen to silence for an hour uh, and not watch anything uh, than to experience a Jay Leno show. Um, so thankfully, he's not on the scene anymore. And there's a, there's a bunch of great late night talk shows. Uh, as soon as Jimmy Fallon took over for Conan O'Brien on, on NBC for that late 1230 slot. I was a Jimmy Fallon fan immediately. I thought his, his show was funny, playing games and skits and a uh, decent enough interviewer. The band is excellent. I just love everything about a late night talk show. The format, uh, the, the, the segments, I mean, everything about it, it just jives. Like, I think I would like to do that. I would like to be a late night talk show host. Uh, and uh, so Jimmy Fallon, good at the 1230 slot. Uh, and Stephen Colbert, wonderful replacement for David Letterman. Uh, I love his show. I love his uh, sensibilities, his politics, uh, his interview style, his talent. Uh, he's so quick-witted. It is ridiculous. Um, and over on ABC, Jimmy Kimmel. I've always liked Jimmy Kimmel. He was back when he did The Man Show uh, and then uh, became a late night uh, you know, the live with Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel Live, I think. Uh, his is a totally different sort of vibe and style from Fallon and Colbert. Uh, but I like him as well. And I like the fact that these three all seem to get along as opposed to having the late night talk show wars like the Leno and Letterman stuff. I'm going to expand out even further. Seth Meyers took over the late show, the, the 1230 slot after Jimmy Fallon moved up to the Tonight Show. And Seth Meyers is hilarious. I mean, he was great on Saturday Night Live. He is also very quick witted. Love his monologues. Uh, and uh, I, I, I would say he's not as great an interviewer, but he's just uh, the the opening 20 minutes of his show is fantastic. I often catch that uh, as I'm going to bed or going to sleep. Uh, and uh, and. The other one who who has a show that's totally different than the rest, than the four that I just mentioned, uh, is John Oliver. John Oliver, uh, one show a week on Sunday nights on HBO, uh, dives into a deep topic and picks it apart and is hilarious. A huge staff of writers, a legal team, advisors, all this stuff so that he can dive deep into major issues that people need to consider that probably need a change or an update or are utterly ridiculous. Uh, so last week tonight with John Oliver is 
for me, must-see viewing these days. Uh, and um, the other shows, uh, I don't, I don't sit there and watch every minute of of these shows. Uh, as even if I, I think I would if I could. If I had that kind of time, I think I would watch all of the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, uh, Seth Meyers, as well as, of course, John Oliver. Uh, but I just don't have that time. So I usually catch uh, the highlights on YouTube or Peacock or whatever app is showing the highlights from these shows. Uh, if they've had a good interview or a funny skit, uh, I'm into it. I like it. I just don't have time to watch them all other than John Oliver. Now, we are currently in the middle of a huge writer's strike. Uh, and these shows rely heavily on writers uh, to be so quick and topical and coming out with new content every single night of uh, you know the five-day work week. So they, uh, they are basically on hiatus until this writer's strike is over and everybody can get back to work, which means their staff, uh, the camera people, the car- cue card writers, uh, production assistants, uh, the sound guy, I mean, all the people that it takes to b- make a show like these late night talk shows. And there's hundreds of them per show. We're talking about a, probably 2,000 people uh, are just have no job right now. There's nothing they can do uh, because the writers are on strike. Basically, everybody's kind of re- feeling the, re- the results of that. Uh, and uh, which means none of us have had a chance to keep up with what's going on with Kimmel, Fallon, Colbert, Myers, and Oliver. Uh, and, uh, and also their staff is sort of suffering because they don't have work. The answer to these problems is strike force five. It is a hour long ish podcast featuring those five late night talk show hosts hanging out on zoom, talking about anything and everything, their talk shows, uh, their history, how they got to where they are. They had an episode all about their wives, the Strike Force Five wives, uh, and uh, each one seems to be taking a turn hosting the show. Uh, and it is not in any way scripted because the the writers strike. Uh, so all these, uh, all five of these dudes are forced to be very quick and to reveal how quick witted they can be as they give each other shit and have fun making fun of each other, uh, talking about uh, not a whole lot of like politics or current events, like not even the stuff that you might find in their monologue. It's way more personal than that. They're just hanging out. Uh, It's like what they might talk about when they hang out just by themselves without the public listening. So uh, they, uh, it's like, it's awesome. And the fact that they're so quick-witted, especially like Colbert, Seth Meyers is surprisingly quicker, uh, quick-witted than I thought he was. Uh, they're all just so good. It kind of reminds you why they got their jobs in the first place, right? Like they don't have the benefit of having pre-written jokes for them on this podcast. It's just them being themselves with each other. Uh, and something about it, I just totally dig it. And I hope they... Uh, uh, continue to do it in some way, shape or form, even after the writer's strike is over, but they've kind of committed to doing it uh, until the writer's strike is over. So we'll see. Uh, And of course the proceeds from this podcast will all go to benefit their crew that is out of work. 
and there's again, there's a whole bunch of them. So they've got they've partnered with a whole bunch of sponsors like United Airlines and uh, Aviation Gin and stuff like that. Ryan Reynolds uh, is very generous with his companies, his gin, Aviation Gin, as well as uh, Mint Mobile and whatever else it is he's doing. He's a big sponsor. Uh, so they've got some money coming in from sponsorships, uh, and it's gotten good reviews, and it's hilarious, uh, and I uh, I am way into it. Uh, I will say the production of episode number one, uh, I could have done a better job of producing it uh, as far as just sound levels and such, uh, but I think they were probably figuring out how to make it sound good, right, with uh, five different people on Zoom. There's I know that there are people behind the scenes, making the recording happen and doing some editing and all that. Uh, episode number two sounded consistently better uh, across the board than episode one did. Three gets even better. There's one little area where they really need to work on it, like the ad reads. They recorded them like maybe even before the first episode. And some of those ads like Colbert talking about United Airlines, he's hilarious. It's a funny ad, but his volume is like significantly lower than the rest of the show. So you can hardly hear it. Uh, so the ad reads need some production help. But other than that, I mean, this thing is just great. So so there you go. That's uh, thing number two. Uh, highly recommend if you're at all in to late night TV, uh, late night talk shows, Strike Force 5 is uh, a worthwhile listen. Three episodes out now, more coming soon. Thing, thing number three. Thing number three. Uh, I tell you what, uh, I want to reveal to you something that I love on my TikTok. My TikTok is really good at recommending and showing me videos that it knows I like. Uh, and I have come to find out there is a lot of pimple popping videos on TikTok. Um, because TikTok is regularly feeding me new ones. Uh, and despite the vast array of pimple popping videos, there's only very few really good ones. And I watch them all. Like if it pops up uh, on my feed, I'm probably watching it. Um, but some of them are way too long. And many of them involving like blackheads and stuff. It, it involves like way too much like cutting and digging and pulling stuff out like ingrown hairs and black and pustule is disgusting stuff right and i do love seeing the disgusting spooge come out of these boils and zits and ingrown hairs and blackheads and all of that i love it all uh and uh but they're not the best ones they're the ones where they spend a lot of time digging. Uh, I need more of a payoff than that. Uh, there's usually not enough spooge coming out to make it worth the time it takes to do all the digging. Some of them have like no payoff at all. Uh, and if there was a way to like hate videos on TikTok, I would, uh, uh, especially when they make you wait for part two to get to the spooge explosion, right? Uh, like you see, it's coming. They're working it. They're pinching it. They're squeezing it. They're poking it. And uh, and then it, nothing comes out or not much comes out. And so uh, not th those are not going to, those are not my favorite. Um, some of them are like dermatologists watching videos, pimple popping videos, and then commenting on them. I kind of like that. They can be quick. Uh, there's usually a good spooge explosion, um, but they also can be kind of hit or miss. They're often too short uh, and often, you know, not good enough. 
Um, Dr. Pimple Popper seems like a fantastic concept, but that show is way too like surgical and personal. I don't need their, their stories. I just want to see the pimple popping. Uh, and oftentimes they're just lancing them and digging at them and all of that. Uh, I need big spooge explosions. I want to see the squeezing and the popping and the splurting of the spooge. And I don't care if it's being done by a professional, you know, somebody with gloves on and a, a camera right in there close. It doesn't have to be highly produced as long as the spooge really squirts out, uh, you know, like so good that the gloved hands or whatever hands disappear for a few seconds so that they can like clean the spooge off of their face shield or maybe even just their face. Uh, I like to hear a good reaction or a scream from the person who's getting uh, you know, the pimple popping right at them. Uh, that's what I like. And I've found a few really good ones recently. Uh, and if you want, I can share them with you. I can, uh, I can do that. Uh, when I get them, I can put links out. I can point you in the right direction if you need recommendations. But I just want to say that's, that's one of my guilty pleasures is wonderful pimple popping videos. If you're hearing noises right now, my dog is getting himself comfortable underneath my desk, which is not an easy place to get comfortable. So, all right, I think he's given up on that now. Uh, and uh, let's call this thing three and a half. Uh, I wrote this down the other day uh, when... Somebody, uh, a comedian, uh, sent out a, like a tweet. It was like, hey, uh, send me an email if you want to be a, alert you when I'm coming to your area. Uh, I sent them an email. They sent me something back. And in there, uh, that they had one of those like, you know, LOL is laughing out loud. ROFL is rolling on floor laughing. Uh, he had like a, a creative one that you ha may not have thought of. I can't even remember what it was now, but I replied to that email with one that I had come up with on my own and I want to share it with you. It's just free of charge. Uh, if you want to start to use this in your texting language with others to communicate to them you know, just how funny you might have found something and how uh, how vocal you're being when you are reacting in a funny way. Uh, so uh, I call this one uh, SCWOTT, uh, put it in all caps. And so instead of ROFL, type SCWOTT, because I think this one is true for so many things uh, that I'm going to, I'm going to start using this uh, when it actually applies. If I laughed out loud, I'm going to reply LOL. If I'm actually rolling on the floor laughing, I'm going to give you an ROFL. Although that one, sometimes it's just like I maybe wasn't really on the floor. But if I felt like I was laughing hard enough that I might end up on the floor, then I'm going to give you an ROFL. But if I find myself silently chuckling while on the toilet, I'm going to send you SCWOTT. Silently chuckling while on the toilet. And when you write it out, you'll see that that looks like squat which I think is perfect. Thank you so much for listening to Three Things with JR. I'm JR. We'll be back next week with another episode of Small Things Considered. And please go check out the YouTube channel, What Is It About You? I'll see you next time. Take the first step.